Welcome to No Life, No Problem, the podcast, episode one, Adventures in Podcasting. Now, those of you out there that are listening to this, you're hearing episode one. For those of us in the room recording it, we're recording episode 12, six to 12. There have been technological difficulties. I mean, I and not say, that, and not that we don't know how to use technology, but that we were just idiots with it. You can say you don't have to say we. No, no, because yeah, it's like, me too. It, because no, I mean, you can say it, man. Just tell him. Well, tell no, him. it's not you. Tell it's, him. Well, Kellen erased uh, episode one and half of episode two. <laughs> but Kellen, we Last did. Night. Yeah, we did. We did more episodes than that. We did episode one twice. Then we did another episode two and three. Like, we've recorded several times. We're just trying to, like, get this right. You know, we started, I started recording this podcast, but then we realized, like, where are we going with this thing? Like, who's in the driver's seat? What is this show? And so, you know, we had to go back to the drawing boards and kind of redefine. And I say we, that was me. You know, I had to go and figure out exactly, like, what it is that I want this thing to be. And... uh you know, and so we did that, and then we, we recorded an episode and, and got into a second, and, you know, just, uh, it was an accident. It was pretty funny. Like, that I wasn't, was pretty I was, devastating, I, man. Like, I wasn't really upset about I it. I know, but, you know, for a guy like me... Who is a guy like you? What, a like, professional audio engineer? Yeah, I consider myself a professional. Um, uh, you I, get paid I make to a do, living. Yeah, you make a living doing it. And... I've never done that before, ever, ever done that before. Well, then it just need to. But then again, I've never eaten a half a chibachu and drank a six pack and maybe a few glasses of whiskey, and then tried to upload, save, edit, you know, whatever audio files. Yeah. So we've you've done both of those things probably before, but you know, like mutually exclusive, like you've probably eaten half of a chibachu or, or drinking a six pack or done some file, recording, you know, done some recording and file, save, edit, you know, that sort of thing. But not all of those all at the same yeah, time. It was a, definitely the perfect storm. <laughs> I, you know, it is just funny. And, and, and it just seems like every time it just gets harder and harder to sit down and, and get this thing off the ground. We're just trying to break the ice here. And for those of you listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up uh, on this, the very first episode. And for those of you coming back and revisiting the first episode, because you, you were told that, I'm like, hey, you should check that out. Well, thank you for visiting. You know, but I felt that I would need to take some time to explain a little bit about what I thought this show is and what I think it should be. And 
first and foremost, the inception of it, it came from, from the YouTube channel. You know, I did, what, like five videos, not a whole lot, but it was enough to know that, like, I don't know, I like to do it, but it, there were other ways to, to do what I was doing, you know, and it's just kind of irreverent humor and, and just perspective, but it's got to be more than about just me, you know, because I, I can't, as much as a narcissist as I can be at some time in my life, you know, like I, I think that, uh, you know, it would just be foolhardy of me to, to think that people are just going to show up just to see me. It can't be just about me. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. No, it just, it's got to be bigger than that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I know. Like, you know what I mean? A personality can carry something so far. I mean, not that I don't, you know, love me a little me <laughs> at times, you know, but it's just like, it, it's got to be bigger than that. It can't just, it's not, I'm not calling it the Chris Ball show. I'm calling it No Life, No Problem. It's got to be about something else. And if it's not about me... Well then, well then, who else is it about? Well, who else is involved in this? It's about you, the listener, and how you relate to all this, right? Like, what is your interest in in coming in and listening to me? What do I have to say that's at all interesting to you? And how do we relate? And so I had to go searching for exactly what that common thread was, right? What is it that we have in common? How do we look at the world in the same way? It behooves every single person that does anything in media at all, in any media, right? TV, film, radio, podcasting, art. They, who is the audience? Who is it intended for? People do all sorts of studies and research to try and figure out what their target audience is and what they want. And so I had to think about that. Who is this for? It's for you. But who are you? Well, in my mind, you know, who, who you are, hopefully who this is intended for. There's always an intended message and an intended meaning, and then there's a perceived meaning. You know, it could be totally different. I mean, this is just the beginning. But in my mind, what this show is and who it's for is for my generation, right? I, it's not for my parents. Oh, God, I'm, I'm sure my parents will listen at some point. And if they listen religiously, I'm sure there's going to be some things that they're going to hear on here that they're not going to want to hear. And then they won't listen anymore. Yeah, well, and that's fine. It's not for them. You know, I'm not doing it for mom and dad. Mom, dad, if you're listening, I love you. Thank you for supporting me. But this isn't for you. And it's okay if you don't listen. But this is for, this is for my generation, my peers, right? Well, then that needs to be defined even further. Like, who... Who is that? Who is my generation? You know, so I had to look some of this stuff up and, and figure out exactly, you know, I, I didn't even know what generation I was from. You know, there's so many, you know, you got the, the baby boomers and Generation X and Generation Next and, 
you know, there's just all sort of, you know, each generation has its classification, right? And then there's all sorts of nicknames for each different generation. I didn't even know that, right? So my generation, Generation Y, also known as the Millennials. These are people that are coming of age, or, you know, sometime in the, in the 2000s. They've grown up and seen a lot of the same things and experienced a lot of the developments, you know, technological developments, social developments in, in my lifespan. So No Life, No Problem is a show about, about us. And in trying to further define who we are, I had to look a lot of... You know, look a lot of this up. What are some of the common traits that define our generation? And, and what I've noticed just on personal experience and what I found was a lot of evidence that supported the things that I believed about our generation. And that's that we kind of live in this extended period of adolescence, Right? I feel like, you know, the umbilical cord's not always cut. We, we take a little longer to develop into, I don't know, the same adult roles that our, that our parents or grandparents got into. You know, our grandparents, it, some of them got back from, from a war. You know what I mean? They were, they, were, they were grown up, man. They got thrust into a war. And they came back and it was like, man, so glad that I'm still alive and that I still have my loved ones. And it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Come back and have a bunch of babies. And that's where the boomers were, right? That's how that whole generation came about. The, the largest generation in, in U.S. history is the baby boomers. I mean, that drives, the, the boomers drive everything economically for this country over the last 50 years, 60 years, right? Every single industry that's had a boom in industry has followed the baby boomers' uh, development, right? Huggies, Gerbers, right? All those, all those big brand baby brands, they all had their big upstart. Guess what? Back around the same time, you know, the end of the war and the start of suburban America. There were so many of them. I mean, they just, that's whatever, whatever business they're supporting at the time frame in their life, that's, that's what's doing really well, right? So it starts with, with that. It moves on to, you know, when they're teenagers, that's when you start to see the uprise of all the McDonald's and, uh, you know, uh, other, other sorts of like, of fast food chains that really drove and and further defined you know American culture. The boomers totally did that. And, and and then when they grew into adulthood, guess what? There was a huge housing boom, and the market for that skyrocketed. Well, you know that's the boomers' mark on America and on the world. What does that say about us? We're in most cases, the sons and daughters of baby boomers. But where does that leave us? 
and and there's just a lot of traits that define our generation and i think in that is is a lot of like what i said this extended period of adolescence you know a lot of us go out and go away to college and and graduate and you know don't necessarily jump right out there into the career field you know they move back home another interesting little fact they call they call the millennials the the boomerang generation right they go out go to college, and then it's like, oh, what do I do? And they're not as willing to just jump into a career. They're, they're not necessarily uh, just going to jump into something for the sake of it. They, they actually, we actually take the time to try and find more fulfilling careers. You know, we're, we're more apt to, um, to jump from job to job you know, uh, we, we don't stay with jobs as long because if it's not what really what we're looking for, well, then we're going to get out. Also find that, um, you know, they don't as easily jump into, in, into marriages and, and different things like that, things with any sort of permanency because they, they're still trying to figure it out. I mean, that's all that this is. This show, this show is just me trying to figure it out. Where's my place in all this? You know, I have a particular skill set and, and an opinion, you know, but, but what does that matter to you? You know, you're not just going to listen to anybody with an opinion. That's what I was saying. This show is not about me. It's not about me and my opinion and how, how cool and original, you know, I think I can be. It's really about how I can have an opinion that relates to something that, that, that you see every day in life. You know, I feel like, like I'm a pretty good example. Like I'm a prime example of what a, what a millennial is. I didn't even graduate high school. I was too busy screwing around with friends and do whatever. But, you know, I did what my, what my mom wanted coming out of high school, which was go to a junior college. I could have gone to a four-year school right out of it. But, you know, I, I think part of me was was a little scared to just like commit to something. And, you know, I don't know, there was a lot going on there in high school. A lot of things weren't going, I don't know, weren't going the right way. We weren't going the way that, that I wanted them, you know? So, so I was just goofing around and kind of delaying what, what the next step was. And so, uh, I went to junior college cause I got to keep my health benefits. That's another thing, right? Our, our, the, our generation relies on our parents a lot longer than other generations have. The boomers also, a characteristic of their generation is that they take care of their children, their adult children, much longer than their parents did and generations uh, previous did for their kids. You know, they support their adult children. And so, you know, I was at a junior college just going there because I got to keep my health benefits you know, and that, that could happen until I was 25. I, I think that's even been extended now. We're not even going to get into that. This is not a political show. As existential and maybe politically minded at times, this show is never going to be a political show. It's going to be a lot more fun than that, I, I hope. At least that's the aim for it. But 
you know, it took me a while to figure it out, to figure out what it was that I was doing. And I was, you know, going to junior college and like, yeah, I'm going to do music and theater. And I'm like, man, what is an AA in theater going to do for me? The answer for that was absolutely nothing. You know, if I wanted to act, I should have just moved to, to L.A. and just started acting, taking acting classes. I don't need it in AA, really. Like, that works for certain industries, right? An AA, like, means something, right? You can, you can get basically like a, like a trade degree. It, it means something in, in, in other fields. And acting, it's like, oh, okay, good. You got an AA in theater. What did you waste all that time for? Like, put that on a roll of toilet paper. It's just, it's just not worth that much, you know? So figuring out what it was I'm going to do, and that's when, you know, reconnected with you, Kellen, coming back and both going to the, when I, we all transferred junior colleges and went to the same one and started figuring it out. I actually took a personal development class, like personal development counseling class to help me try and focus where I was going. And that's when I figured out, you know, with the theater background and, uh, and you know, just I, I just love to talk. It is like my favorite thing in the world, talking, singing. I, I just love to use my voice. And yes, once again, the narcissist in me loves to hear the sound of my own voice. There's a part of it in all of us, you know? It's why you sing in the shower. Don't, don't act like you don't. I don't think I do, though. Have you ever heard me sing in the shower? I don't think so. I don't hear you sing in the shower. I hear you sing. I think sing. I'm the one exception to that rule, man. You I, sing I don't all like the... To that is bullshit. I mean, s- I, maybe the sing in the shower. Okay, I'm... Okay, I... Not in the shower. I, I hear sing. you make up songs all the time. This is Ooh, true. little beastie <laughs> sitting there on the bed. This is true, but but I, I'm probably the one exception. Like, I don't... I do not like to hear myself talk. No. Maybe it's something I really know a lot about. But and to like one other person, <laughs> yeah. Well, but unlike you, know, you, like I can't get up, I can't get up in front of a an audience and and talk about like to talk. No, no, no way. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's you and everybody else. I'd and rather I, put a gun to my and head. And that's and that's not specific to us to any certain generation. I mean, if you ask anybody in America, right, what is what is their biggest fear? The biggest fear is public speaking. I mean, more than oh, yeah. spiders more than death, more than snakes. People would rather, I mean, by that logic at least, more people are afraid of public speaking than, than they are of, you know, spiders. You know, and, and I think if you gave some people the choice, they would rather have a venomous spider like drop on them from the ceiling, like out of nowhere, Ooh, that'd be a hard thing than, to decide. than get up in front of 5,000 people and, and talk. You know, and that's and it just because, I mean, either way, the fear is paralyzing. Yeah, Cock- cockroaches would be worse. Oh, man. Yeah, my mom's with you on like, that one. I... Mom, if you are listening to this, we're not going to talk about cockroaches for your sake. Yeah, it's just a scary little noise. I don't know. But, you know, that's, that's the thing. So, so for me, figuring out that that's what I wanted to do. Well, I mean, I finally figured it out at junior college, and then I went to school, and finally, for the first time in my life, I was singularly focused and, and went and got it done. You did the same thing about the same time. You went to Boston. I went to San Francisco. We both went and got degrees. When I was done, I was just kind of like, okay, what now? The job that I thought I had lined up, it was right at the, 
right at the downturn, like the the serious downturn. There were two in in the Great Recession, as it's called now, and in all of us. And that's another thing that we have in common. All these millennials, we all experience that, you know, in a, in a similar way. It affected the housing market, the jobs market, you know. So when I got out of college, people weren't taking on more people and looking to hire more people, people that had jobs were losing jobs. And someone like me that didn't have a job, I mean, there, there weren't a lot of open doors. And so what did I do? Kind of stuck around for a little while and, and kind of got into my interests. You know, hey, yeah, you know, I'm going to like sing in a band and like work at Guitar Center. Like, and that was fun. That was a great thing. Like I actually, I learned a lot in that period that period directly after college. You know, not only did I, did I learn a lot about, you know, gear and, and pro audio and stuff that I, it was like an extended education outside because we didn't really cover that much in college. You know, where, where I was covering, uh, you know, radio and television broadcasting, much more of that was, was like theoretical, right? Like, trying to understand the industry and how that goes about. And there was some production value stuff that we're, you know, working on, you know, but you're getting a little bit of each little piece of the industry, you know, like, okay, you know, run a little bit of camera. Okay. Do some video editing. You can find your focus. You know, I did a little bit of radio hosted television. I, you know, tried a whole bunch of different hats on just to see which one fit and which one I liked. And, and I like a lot of it, but still that period after college, you know, just still trying to trying to get it together and, and and like I said, not not a whole lot of jobs out there. I found myself working a retail job. I, I went to school for six years to get a four year degree. On the other side of that, I found myself working at a retail store doing sales, which was something that I could do without a degree. Which is interesting to think about. A lot of people go to college for six years. Most of them are, you know, lawyers and doctors. <laughs> for me, I was a, I was a pro audio department manager at Guitar Center. <laughs> Some real high aspirations, you know. But I always wanted more. So, I, I know that that was not the same experience for everybody. You know, I see a lot of my friends go on to to successful broadcast careers and it's great. But really, I think there, there are fewer of them that did that directly out of college. Then, you know, and, and I expected myself to just get thrown right into the fire and I had teachers and, and administrators and people at the school that just thought that I was career ready, that I was one of the ones that was going to make it right out of college. And it shocked the hell out of me and scared the fucking crap out of me that like everybody at an in, at a respected you know broadcast school San Francisco State is a broadcast school in the city in which television was invented you know there's some clout there it's a, it's a it's a pretty good program i mean i had my choice to go to northridge or san francisco state you know transferring directly out of a jc and and i went with i went with the uh, with SF State. And I, and it, it all, all signs pointed to like, man, this kid's going to be a success right out of high or right out of, right out of college. 
you know, he's going to find a job. And I couldn't find one anywhere. I still haven't found one that, that I, you know, like a career job still floating around. Also, another trait of the millennials. Like I said, going out there and, and just, you know, finding different jobs, trying on different things. It just happens all the time. But the big trait, the boomerang generation, is that they end up at some point back home. They go out on this adventure and then they come back and they have the support of their family, especially like where we were at in that great recession. I was struggling. And and not to mention things in my personal life went really south and that screwed up everything. You know, when you live with a significant other and things fall apart, like everything's tied up in in that. You know, you have a place in a really expensive place to live we we had a place and we were and we were getting by. She made a little bit more money than I did, and and I was you know, but I but I was making enough, and we were we were making it happen. But when things went south of, with the relationship, like how do you get out of that? And you got a lease. You got you got all sorts of loose ends that need to be tied, and and in most cases, they just need to be cut. And that's what I did. I just cut, and I ran. And I ran home. That was what, was what was necessary. And I was there for way too long. Man, like another, another four years for an adult man, I was living at my mom's house. She had a new life coming on. You know, had a new uh, significant other that they, they eventually married, you know? And then, you know, my, my time there... I, I, my welcome was overstayed. You know, my mom says, you know, you can live, you, you can live here as long as you want. You're my son. I will, I will take care of you. And that's a, the sentiment of a lot of boomers. I think, you know, that's my son. I will take care of him. And, and, and just the perceived pressure on my side was like, I need to get out. Like these people have a life of their own. This is their house. This is, this is what they're doing. Like I, I don't have a place here. And finally, we get out. I get you back. You come back from San, from from New York, and we got this place. You know, we're here in San Diego still, and it's been great. Finally, I feel like like things are are starting to all fall together again. You know, and I'm trying to have that same focus that I had going into college. Like it's hard to do. It's hard to maintain. Focus is one of those things, especially for me. And I would think for the rest, across the whole generation of millennials, like, you know, we're a whole generation of people that were diagnosed ADHD. That term didn't even exist before our generation. Adult, or sorry, excuse me, adult. <laughs> I have adult ADHD, but, you know, attention deficit disorder, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, I mean, in other generations, you were just, you know, you were weird. You were a kid. Like, it, you know, it's like you got smacked around because you weren't paying attention. It happened. You know, you get wrapped with a ruler or something. But, but in our generation, you know, and the way that, that the boomers took care and kind of coddled the, uh, you know, their kids. We get Paxil. Yeah. You know, Paxil, Wellbutrin. Man, I... I, it, I remember I would... Dude, dude I was prescribed Paxil... When I was a little, pretty young. Like how young? Not, not for ADHD. 
or yeah, anxiety probably though. We have a lot of anxiety, anxiety too, social anxiety. But just the normal shit like um I forget exactly you what had, it was. You, you had problems you had problems sleeping, to, you had anxiety yeah, yeah. sleeping at other people's houses. Parents getting divorced and like, you know, general anxiety stuff, general like life life stuff, man. And I remember, yeah, they put me on on PAX. I don't think I was on it for very long, but well, it, it's you know, it's so funny. This is a funny story, and, and it needs to be shared because <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I think about it. Oh no, 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 it's not about you. Oh. No, but when I was a when I was a kid, five years old, you know, four, going on five, leaving preschool, getting ready to to go to kindergarten. The preschool teacher. I went to a Lutheran preschool. I went to Ramona Lutheran Preschool, which is, I mean, there there are more stories to come from that too. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I I went there, and uh, and my mom basically sat down for I don't know like an exit interview. They were going to do like an assessment and let let her know whether or not they thought that I was ready for kindergarten. And they and they sat my mom down and they said, uh, and and this this is was not unique to just preschool. <laughs> and my mom, my mom had the foresight. She, she just knew. And they sat her down and they said, um, you know, we think that Chris could really benefit from uh, another year here in preschool. We think that he needs to develop a little bit. And my mom says, okay, develop in which way? Um, because, you know, you guys are learning ABCs and learning how to tie shoes and like I remember these little like we had these little boards like these little pegboards and like they had like a like two flaps of material and you like learn how to connect a zipper like how to zip a zipper and like how to tie shoes like you're like learning how to be a little person right and and my mom says develop in which way you know he's he's reading books to you out loud like <laughs> he's reading you books like you guys are trying to teach kids ABCs and he's reading out loud to you like how how much more developed does he need to be to go to preschool? And they said, well, he has some behavioral issues. <laughs> and she goes, okay, so what's that about? And he's like, well, he can't sit still. He's always talking. He gets up out of his chair when he's not supposed to, you know, all these things. <laughs> My mom said, okay, um, thank you for expressing your opinion. I feel like that's something that we're going to be dealing with for a lot longer than one year. And my mom also had the benefit of being a school teacher and the teacher that she team taught with was her close friend and she was going to place me in a kindergarten class. She's like, we're going to keep a very close eye on him. I just, there's only so much there that you can do. I, I don't think it's going to change in a year. And I think some of it's just personality, you know? And I, I thank my mom for for knowing who I was at a young age. That that like no sort of you know extra time or help. That 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 wasn't because we, we. I mean, she said it. She said, "I think we're going to be dealing with this for a long time," and we dealt with the same things. I mean, all the way through high school, same thing. Can't sit still. Talks out of turn. He talks loudly. He gets up around. He does. A, he's a distraction to the other students. Like that was a consistent thing for me all the way. I mean. Even in college, man, I had trouble sitting still, man. Just like, you know, you ever get that restless leg thing? You're just like tapping your leg. You're just like, fuck, I can't sit here any longer. I'm going to explode. You just got to like get up. 
like move or or do something. And you're just sitting still. It's just not conducive to to how we learn. But but along what we were saying, that's a thing that's cross generational, like uh, across at least our generation. You know, like you said, Paxil. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't even diagnosed. That's the thing that. That went on so long. It, all the signs were there early on, but my mom obviously didn't believe in drugs or, or any sort of stuff like that or, or extra years of schooling or holding anybody back. She was just going to let me go and let me do it. And I, and I performed at a really high level in school. It was just like the more behavioral stuff. It was tough to be you know hyperactive. I wasn't actually diagnosed with ADHD until I was... 17. And that was because I was in an I was in an outpatient rehab care for smoking pot. Ooh. Ooh, oh my god. Oh man. Yeah, I got in some trouble for that too. Yeah. We both did. Yeah, drinking, smoking pot and Drug tests, things like that. I m- my mom tried to ask me the other day like the other day, I don't know. It might have been a year or two ago, but like Try and remind me, like, how many drug tests I failed. Like, how many times I tried to, like, to, like, alter the test. Like, I didn't, it didn't, not one time was there a part in my mind that just said, you know, maybe I'll just stop. No, we used to go to the head shops, and, and this, and this was before, like, I feel like this was before, you know, head shops and all that thing was, like, popular. There was, like, one head shop. Right. In power. Yeah, yeah. And you, we go there, and you get that, like, bright blue, like, elixir. That was supposedly gonna, you know, help oh, you. Oh yeah, the test, yeah, whatever it was, cost like forty, fifty bucks. Yeah, fifty bucks. And the you, you all take clear. It the, yeah, you take it the night before, and you don't eat anything or whatever. There's like these certain rules, and for me, it never worked. I don't know about you. No, that, I yeah, I heard some success stories, but for me, it never I, I had some success stories with that. But a lot of the, you know, they're random drug tests. You can't just like have one sitting around and it doesn't work right away. I tried different things. My mom remembers vividly the time that I tried to like, I tried to take, I took a bunch of niacin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a that ton of it. thing, yeah. Like He's I like took, turned like, uh, like a tomato. Oh my God, I turned so red. My mom was like, you look red. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you are. What are you talking about? Let's get this test over with. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like took a shower and like and like just I don't know I must have like taken like eight twelve like nice and whoever knows yeah. how much mil- how many milligrams that were it you was, probably didn't do shit for research either you probably just heard it from a friend like some no Joe and Schmoe. just You're took like, yeah, a okay. shit ton of nice and just turned into a tomato you could have killed yourself man. my mom was like you know telling me how red I was I'm like no my my face is always red she's like yes I know your cheeks are rosy but your whole body look at she like pulled up my sleeve she's like your whole body is red are you she was kind of freaking out so you know eventually I was part of a part of a thing in an agreement mom put me in a in an outpatient rehab care and and there was a, a lot of counseling that had to go in there um in, in, in part of that counseling, you know, you had to talk with a psychologist and, and, and a psychiatrist, too, because they, they want to know what they need to put you on. What kind of drug do we need to give you to get you to stop smoking pot? <laughs> that was the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, you know what? He's got some, uh, yeah, he's got some issues. Um, you know, definitely is, uh, you know, attention deficit and hyperactive and, uh, you know, Probably, probably some depression going on here too, and some anxiety, and so he tried all sorts of different like drugs, and then like cocktails of drugs, right? You know, you had Paxil, 
Wellbutrin, Celexa. They were like, I mean, all those, and that's and that's a huge industry. All all of those patents on those antidepressants, and that's something that our generation grew up with. I know that there are those of you out. There are so many of you out there because it comes up in conversation. Albeit reluctantly at times, you know, you have a conversation with just people, with friends or things, and it comes up and you're having that conversation about like how things used to be or what they've been on or, and what people are on now. You know, I dated a girl that, you know, she, she needed Xanax. She had major anxiety. What are you laughing I'm re- at? I'm reading this, uh, how to, three method, semi-verified methods of how to pass a drug test. <laughs> Try peeing into the cup mid or in stream, not immediately. How you pee into the, the urine The cup matters. Try peeing a little bit into the toilet and then direct your stream into the cup when you're near. <laughs> Wait, well, yeah, that sounds way messier nah, than not, just trying to stop it off. Yeah. Right? Take, take some aspirin a couple hours before the test. Don't waste your money on commercial products that disguise or clean urine. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't have this back then, man. Or did we? We had the internet, and that's a, that's another thing, you know. Our whole we've grown up with all these drugs and oh, cranberry juice. That was a popular one. Yeah, 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 man. Just drink a sh- just drink like a gallon of cranberry juice. Yeah, or or water, and and it's like it, it's like yeah, you just need to drink. You need to take the niacin. You need to drink like a ton of water. <laughs> and and anybody that knows anything about THC and how it binds in the body, it's, f- it's not water-soluble, it's fat-soluble. You have to burn it off. It attaches to your fat cells. That's how like people make cookies and brownies. That's why you make butter, because butter has fat in it. And so when you heat it up, when, when, the, when the exchange happens, when you heat it, that chemical exchange and how it binds, it binds to the fat cells in the butter. Right, you know, yeah. so drinking water doesn't do anything. There are other drugs. Cocaine yeah. is water soluble. You know, it dissolves in water. Are you saying cocaine will help you pass a drug test? No, I'm saying that that that's one that if you drink a lot of water, that might actually help dilute uh, the concentration in your body. Yeah, th- be careful. This was be careful about niacin. Uh, it's not <laughs> not safe. Uh, when all <laughs> number four, when all else fails, spike it. <laughs> As a last resort, uh, you can put. Bleach detergent or that blood too. is rumored to be capable of throwing off the results of the test in order to buy you more time. Rumored to be. My mom also said something. I, I can't. I'm gonna have to yourself. ask her the story about that. About you know me trying to like. I, I tried any number of things, and and the funny thing is, is like I don't remember all of those things. I was like so stoned back in high school. Like I don't, I don't remember half of it. Like my memory is foggy. Compared to like what I it is now, why. yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> well, you know, it, 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 it's just uh, it's, I, I guess you know you grow up and and you learn things. I would hope from I, from WikiHow. Yeah, that's yeah, what we're doing from, right now. <laughs> we don't know shit. You grow up and you don't know anything, so you look it up on the internet. Yep, I mean everything on the internet is true. That's what they say. Yeah, I think the best way is probably just to not do it at all. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way. That's the way that I I obtained and have kept my job that I have now. Just don't do it. And that's what I'm doing right now. I possibly foresee a drug test in my future, and it's been hard to do for since yesterday, but <laughs> but it's gonna happen. 
hey, you know, it, it's like I said, that's something that's something that's relatable right there. You know, that's a real life yeah. struggle right yeah, there. Damn, some people damn, some sorry, people can't struggle, dude. Some people can't do it. Well, some people have legitimate substance abuse problems. I've had my problems. You know, like okay, so here's here's a definition. When I've gotten in trouble and I've had problems in my life, drugs or alcohol have been involved. But on the flip side, I don't have a problem with drugs or alcohol. Right? It just so happens that, you know, when you when you cross that cross that threshold and you're no longer of sound judgment. You know, but it's not it's not like something where you know, there's no sort of chemical dependency. There's no sort of like psychological thing where like I you know, it like I have to have it. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to you know, talk myself out of being, you know, I'm I'm not an alcoholic. Cuz I I don't have to I don't have to make the argument cuz I'm not. Go ahead, grab that. I see folks Chris is grabbing his glass of whiskey. In his cat yeah. coffee cup. That's okay, right. Take a sip. Take, take the kitty one. cup. Makers in the kitty cup. Well, like I said, but I can I can responsibly enjoy a nice little uh, kitty cup of whiskey <laughs> and yeah, and do a podcast. We don't have regular glasses. You here. know, unlike you know, like you said, like we said earlier, the, the mutually exclusive thing. I'm saying, yeah, yes, I have done this before. Yes, I have done this before, or I've done this, but I haven't done all of them at the same time. And that's that's part of the whole learning curve. That's really the basis of the whole show. What I've what I've really found out about no life, no problem. What I and I've said it already. The phrase "still figuring it out," like that is like paramount in life. You know, to to understand that it doesn't matter how much you know. You don't know dick. Like, you don't. Like, even if you could know everything there was to know about the world, right, and Earth and where we are, you know everything about a cosmic speck of dust. Like, have you seen any of that stuff? Like, the Neil deGrasse Tyson stuff? That's, oh, yeah. I mean, dude, we're so small. And that's part of what makes it so amazing. But even if you knew everything there was to know about the planet Earth, you still don't know shit. Because we're still figuring it out. And I think that's actually a positive trait. And that's what No Life, No Problem is about. It's not... A, I've been talking about the traits of our generation and this extended period, uh, extended period of adolescence and... And, and all of these, these traits, and I'm here to say that it's not, those aren't negatives. There's a positive spin on all of that. There's a positive spin on all of it. Just because we're, you know, like there's an extended period of adolescence, what that means is there's an extended period of time that we're trying to figure it out. We're, we're taking more time rather than just rushing into things. And another trait of the millennials is that we tend to actually have a more positive outlook on the world than the rest of the generations around us. Like, even as bad as things get, 
worldwide right now. There's all sorts of shit going on. Just domestically, here in the U.S., there's so much contention. Like I said, I'm not going to get into it because this isn't a political show. But even in the face of all of that, our generation still has the ability to have a generally positive outlook on what on what's to come. That's a that's a that's a trait that we have is that we all share this this general optimism like things are going to get better and not worse. And even if they do get worse, you can still hold on to to the fact that and that's the whole thing that's the kind of thing that makes the positive change in the world, right? As bad as things get, that you're not just going to be like, "Well, fuck it. I got you know what? It's over. It's over. Uh everything sucks. I'm just going to just going to roll over right now." Yeah, just Yeah, I give up. And that's just not that's just not something we share. And so no life, no problem is a show about embracing what it is to be a millennial. Because we're still figuring it out. You ever hear that, you know, the... What is it? Perfection is not a destination. It's a journey or a process. Never heard it. It's just like, or success. I mean, you, you could use whatever word going in there. I mean, it's, it, it's just, it, nothing is like a definitive thing. It's not, it's not a place to be. It's not, a, it's not like perfection is somewhere we're actually going to get. Like, you know what? One day, I'm going to get to perfection. I'm going to be perfect. It's like, no, it's a whole process in just refining, like smoothing out the rough edges. Some of us have a lot more rough edges. I'm a pretty rough dude. Abrasive, you know, in nature. People are generally a little off-put, I think. I, I, mo- most of the time, I think, you know, like, oh, yeah, he's a nice guy. They don't, they don't quite get it, though. You know, like I'm like really high energy. I talk really loud. Like I... I grab people, like, you know, like, or touch them, you know, when I'm talking to them, like, try and engage them, like, hey, you know, hey, you know, like, get really, man, that's awesome, blah, 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 you know, like, like, man, what the fuck, this guy is, like, all in my face right now, and I'm like, I'm just trying to relate to you, man. You could be a little loud, a little loud sometimes. A little loud sometimes. A little loud sometimes. A little loud sometimes. Well, according to the uh, official report released by the White House on millennials, says fact number three is millennials value community family and creativity in their work there it is right, Obama I value all those things what did you say that Obama oh okay like he had something to do with this report or something I don't yeah, know no, I don't yeah, know what, what I'm you, saying you don't say, no it's just coming out of the White House they, yeah, yeah, there's I a mean, lot of information there's a lot of people working there even, this even came out like while he's been in office I'm just talking shit yeah, no, but you found something. Like I, I said, did. keep I found, those, keep those I, things coming. I got, I got some stuff here. Oh, look at that. You got charts and oh, graphs. Yeah, there's, there's this whole, dude, 15 economic facts about millennials. It's like this official thing, whitehouse.gov, and then there's all these facts, you know. Um, Feed me one. Feed me a good one. Well, here's one. Anything that supports anything that I've I said so far. I know, well, well, I don't know, but 
I know you didn't want to get into the uh, political side of things, but here's fact number eight. As a result of the Affordable Care Act, so this has obviously come out yeah. post-Obama, as a result of the Affordable Care Act, millennials are much more likely to have health insurance coverage during their young adult years. Well, like that goes in, like I, like I was saying, I did touch on that earlier. Like I, I had to stay in school because of health care. Like that's what kept me in school. Like otherwise, I don't know. Like I don't know if I would have gone back. Like I was ready to just be like, you know what, fuck school. Never taught me anything when, in fact, it's taught me everything I, I, I've ever known. And people that put their kids in, in private school, like, I think there's a certain, there's a certain kind of, like, hard knocks, like, rough and tumble, figure it out on your own part about public school. I think some people, I don't know, in some parts of the country you probably don't want to put your kids in public school. But, you know, some people don't have a choice. You got to gotta put the kids in school. They're not allowed not to be in school. If they're not in school, then they're, they're, they're not with their parents. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be put in foster care. Well, here you go. Millennials are now the largest, most diverse generation in the U.S. population. It's because the boomers are dying. And... Um yeah, there, this is kind of interesting. I, I might actually... Uh... I told you, that's what this show needs to be about. Like, I, I, I just, I found that there's just so much. And, and uh, another thing I want to touch on is that, you know, when we bring people into the show, like, my goal is to find people that are captivating and interesting and embody the, the energy and the, um, I don't know, the overall... all-encompassing, you know, outlook of, of what it is to be a, a millennial, right? Like, I have, I have a guest lined up that's going to be coming out. You guys are definitely going to want to listen to the episode that this comes out on. And I don't know which one it's going to be on yet. But, but it's basically an agreement in principle. I, I have a friend from high school that's coming on, and, man, he's just so funny and, and really really embodies what it is to be a millennial. I, I just identified with with everything that he does. He started writing about him and his grandma. You know, he lives with his grandmother. His grandmother's like this funny old lady and his stories that he started writing about it and he like puts out videos and really creative, really funny guy, but but I definitely identified with it and thought, man, that just makes so much sense. We were doing this whole thing about, you know, no life, no problem and talking about you know, our generation and how we relate to everything, I, he would be like the perfect guest to have on the show. Um, you know, and I'm not going not to give you the name yet, not going to give you a date because it hasn't been set, but I guarantee you those are the kinds of guests that we're going to be having on the show, either friends or, I mean, dude, it would be really interesting to find somebody that that had something to do with putting out that White House, uh, that White House report. <laughs> You know, whatever, whoever's doing the research for that. You get somebody, get an expert on who it is to be, you know, or what it is to be who we are. Here's one that really applies to you here, I think. Oh, God. Fact number 12, millennial women have more labor market equality than previous generations. That applies to me how? Bad joke. you just calling me a woman? <laughs> That's really bad. 
You know what, Kellen? That's not the kind of thing that got women that sort of recognition and uh, and respect in the workplace. All right, that sort of misogynistic fucking bullshit right there. You're uh, you're gonna tend to get married later. Yep. Um, or never. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of depressing. Yeah, like I said, and it's no, it's not. That's not depressing. It's because they're not. We're not as. Um, as willing to just jump into a relationship and say, yep, that's it. We're going to get into it. You know, we actually have a lot more domestic partnerships, right? Where somebody, or, or, you know, we cohabitate before getting married more than any generation ever. And it happens all the time. Some people say, that's not how you should do it. I'm like, you should definitely live with somebody before you figure out that that's the person you're going to live with for the rest of your life. I mean, people do things when you live with them. Kellen, you, you, you can speak to this. I can too. That there, you know, that there are things that are tolerable with roommates, and then you're like, you know, like yeah, yeah, that's gonna fly. And then there are things that you're like, what? No, you don't do that in this house. Yeah, like Hawk and Logies in the sink. What? Just saying, man. You brought it up down the drain. Hey, you know that's not that's <laughs> tolerable, dude. Especially I'm the germaphobe here. I know, so I'm surprised. But uh, it's it's relative. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm just saying. You know, we you know domestic partnerships or things. You know, you gotta you gotta be with somebody a little while before you know that you're gonna be with them forever. I mean, God, why, you find something out like that's the same thing. Like I don't know. Some people say, "Well, why buy the cow if you can taste the milk for free?" You know. And then other people are like, <laughs> you know, and, and then and then other people are like. Well, you know, I'm not going to buy a car without test driving it first. Two sides there. You know what I mean? And both are valid arguments. One is steeped in tradition, and one is, like, I think a lot more practical. And I think that there's a certain amount of practicality um, within our generation. But then, oh, my God, dude, there's a certain amount of what the fuck Dude, there are some people that just lack common sense. And I don't think that that's unique to our generation. I just think that that's some people. Some people, you're like, you're relatively intelligent. You at least graduated high school. How could you ever think that that was a, the right thing to do? Like, or, or, or just, you know what I'm saying? Some people, some people just lack common sense completely. It's like, you, they're rel- like I said, relatively intelligent. And then they make a decision and you're just like... I was trying to just like I just hit my face on the microphone. That's that's just like it woke fa- me up for sure. It's like a face palm. Just oh god. But and, and but you know what? A lot of our generation just come up with that too. You know, FML, SMH. What's SMH? What uh, shaking my head? Oh, I like FML. FML. Cool. Yeah, you know that's a little dramatic. Oh fuck my life. Oh man. Yeah, that, that's that's going to be a discussion for another day. And actually, now would be a really good time to talk about that. The very next episode of No Life, No Problem is going to be about adventures in technology. Because I think that that's something... It, it's so... Oh, wait, you have something it's for fact me? fact number two right here, dude. Uh, millennials have been shaped by technology. Right. So our whole life is an adventure in technology because our whole life has been shaped by... By new technologies and, 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 you know, the advent of each one of those and the, and the implementation of, of that in our lives. I mean, 
what social media has become in our lifetime, just the internet in general. Man, remember dial tones and weird noises getting on the internet? We don't even do that. It doesn't happen anymore. We're going to talk about all that and more about technology. Internet dating, that's a huge thing. Did you know that my mother... Oh man, is that is that a thing? Is that is that is that no, gonna be I don't a thing? Know. I was just really waiting for what you were gonna your say mother, right there. Your okay. mother. Okay. Well, I said, did you know? Yeah, your mother. Your mom. Oh wait, you say your mother or your your no, own? My, my mother. mother. My okay, mother. Okay, go go on. Yeah, did you know that my mother married a man that she met on Match.com? Boom. Thanks, Chris. There it is. Well, I'm just saying that, you know, that, that that wasn't even a thing. Well, that's a boomer doing it. More and more of our generation are doing I mean, every single day we got apps on our phones. I have three apps on my phone right now that are dedicated to internet dating. I mean, they're internet dating apps. I'm dedicated to internet dating. I think you are. I, well, or trying it out. I mean, it's yeah, the best. Yeah. It's the, it, To me, it's the most viable way. I mean, I'm, there's no reason not to throw it into the mix, you know? Hey, like I'm, it, you know, I'm done. Uh, I'm done trying to meet girls at bars. Bad place. Bad place to meet girls. I find that. Well, yeah, yeah, yep. You know, and and, and there are a little standoffish there that that they tend to be at bars. You know, at a club or a bar, or or they're a little not standoffish. They're exactly guess, the opposite. Yeah. You know, and in which case you got to be careful. <laughs> Wear a condom. Thanks for the tip, pal. Yeah, hey, just throwing it out there. <clears throat> so we're going to get into all that and more on the very next episode of No Life, No Problem. Thank you so much for tuning in to the very first, well, the first one that you've heard episode of No Life, No Problem. There will be more to come. I wish that I could guarantee that. See you next time. <laughs>